Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. What's up, guys? I'm glad you're here tonight. Um, I don't know how your day is going. Uh, I keep losing stuff. I actually um, just missing my Bible, so I had to borrow Brock's on the way in. So hopefully you guys are doing better than me. But I got a Bible still, so we're good. That's why you need good friends, you know. Brock lent me his, uh, and so we're going to do this thing still. I don't know about y'all, but it's kind of one of those days and seasons. The time change has me messed up, all right? I felt like it was like 9 o'clock when we were coming in here. And so I think we're in that point of the fall where it doesn't matter if you're a working person or you're in school, whatever you're doing, where it's like, okay, I'm a little tired right now. But um, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I think that there's a reason that you're here right now tonight, uh, and I'm excited to continue uh, in the book of Colossians tonight. I think it's going to be great. And uh, I want to start by saying I think that there's something that we know that all of us would agree on, and that is this, is that no one wants to be stuck in a rut. Y'all know what I mean, like to be stuck in a rut? Uh, I've kind of, no one wants to be stuck in a rut emotionally, financially. Nobody wants to be a, maybe you feel like you're stuck in a rut because of your family situation. Maybe you feel just stuck in a rut and you're not really sure why you feel that way. I've kind of been there lately a little bit. Have y'all ever struggled to have a, a good attitude? Y'all ever just get grumpy? Anybody? I'm there sometimes. And I've been there a little bit lately. Last night, uh, we were driving in this car, all right? Y'all, y'all know where Sunshine is over here. And my wife and I with our kids, all right? You need to remember that I have my kids in my car while I'm acting like this in a second. Um, this car in the other left turn lane off Sunshine to get on the highway cuts off like into the other person's lane. So they're honking. And then they cut me off. Okay, so I'm like, I'm about to give this person the business right here because they just cut two people off, and I'm going to let them know about it. So you know the difference between just like a beep, beep, hey, I'm here, what are you doing? And like, I'm laying on it, and I want them to know that I'm right here in my 04 Honda CRV, all right? Uh, And I wanted them to know, and then like after I got done being upset, Emma, my wife, who was always my voice of reason, was like, you didn't need to do all that. And I'm like, yeah, I did. She cut two people off. Like, what are you talking about? And immediately you have this wave of like, man, I'm just like grumpy right now. And I'm stuck in a rut. And I don't know if y'all have been there. And, and it's funny to kind of joke about that, but it's funny till it's not funny. Because some of you might be in that rut tonight. Uh, financially, you're in a rut. Emotionally, you are in a rut. And I think one of the hardest things, like I already said, is to overcome. Maybe you just feel like a, you're in a rut because of your situation and because of your circumstances because of what's going on in your life, and um, whether it be family issues or whatever it may be, it's hard to get out of that state. It's hard to get out of that position that you're feeling. And I think what culture tells us, which none of us want to stay there, right? We all want to grow. We all want to bust through and break through whatever is holding us down. And a lot of times, I think what the message that society is telling us right now is you need to look inwardly whenever you are trying to bust down that wall. That if you look to yourself and if you focus on you and you do what makes you happy and if you, uh, you know, you just got to find like your peace and whatever makes you joyful and you need to put yourself as top priority. That culture tells us that that's actually the key to breakthrough. That's actually the key to happiness. That's the key to getting out of the rut that you may be in. 
And I know that people want to break through that, those situations in their life, because you know how many billions of dollars are sold, uh, are, are used to spend on self-help resources every year, whether it be apps and books and things of that nature, to, for people to improve their life. To break through ruts, to break down barriers, to break down walls. And a lot of what is out there is said, hey, look to yourself and do what makes you happy. Do what pleases you. And if, if you're not, if you're in a rut, like you need to spend more time focusing on yourself. And in some cases that may be true. But I think what we see in the passage that we're going to talk through tonight in the book of Colossians, that Paul is saying, hey, there's actually something else that you can do to change your perspective. That you need to change your perspective in order to have this breakthrough that you're waiting for. Or in order to live a life uh, that is to the fullest. You need to have a change in your perspective. And we're going to dive into that. It's going to be Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If you got a Bible, if anyone finds mine out there, just like let me know. Uh, My name's not on it, so I don't know how you would know. But I'm missing it, and I need it back. Uh, And so uh, we're going to be in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. And before we do that, I want to tell a story. And one of my things that I love about High Street is this church supports missionaries across the world. Did you know that? Sometimes we forget, like, God is the God in Springfield, Missouri, yes, but God is the God all across the globe, and we're a church that cares for the capital C church, and we think that that's important, and we send missionaries out of this church and to go places, and we, we spend time and resources. We just got done with our World Project Conference, our missions conference, and we think that's important. And I want to tell you the story of one of our missionaries named Marjorie Browning. Right? Her name was Marjorie Browning. Some of y'all might know this story. But to me, this story of this woman, what she did, is probably one of the most incredible stories of faith and one of the most aspirational stories that I've ever heard in my entire life. And Marjorie Browning, she went to BBC, Baptist Bible College. Where are my BBC people at in the room? Stand up. Yeah. Don't actually stand up. But 1957, Marjorie Browning went to Baptist Bible College here in Springfield, Missouri. And when she graduated, she knew that she had a heart for missions. And she knew that she wanted to go somewhere. And the crazy thing is, is that after Marjorie Browning had graduated from BBC, she actually got a job as a secretary at one of the law firms here in Springfield, and was being very successful. She was like the go-to person for the guy who owned the, or who was running the firm, the lawyer who was running the firm. She had a boyfriend as well. Like, you know, some of you are like, that's my goal, is I want to have a boyfriend as well. So she's a young adult. Um, she's, she's graduated, and she had gotten some bad news that a doctor told her, hey, listen, you're actually not going to live that much longer. She was having some health complications and some things going on. And the doctor told her, hey, you're not going to live that much longer. And so she actually, Marjorie Browning, actually told her boyfriend, like, it wouldn't be fair for me to marry you because of my situation and circumstance. So she wouldn't marry him, which in itself is crazy. But then she still has that call to missions. And she wants to go. And you've got to think, 1957 was when she graduated. Um, A lot has changed 
for, like, for women over the course of the years that have followed since then, that when she was, had graduated from BBC, it hadn't even been uh, that women were able to vote for really that long when you think about it after she had graduated. So it was a different world than what we live in today. And still I think about what if my daughter grows up and she, as a single girl, she wants to go and be a missionary on her own. Even if it was a guy, you'd be like, are you sure like, that that's what you want to do? But Marjorie Browning refused to ignore this call that God had on her life. And so Marjorie Browning, at the age of 27, travels to the country of Brazil on her own to go and serve the kingdom of God. And she does that. And I look at that story, and I'm like, that's, why would she, like, that's crazy, that she would go and do that on her own. I'm 28 years old, and I'm, like, scared. I don't like staying at the house by myself sometimes. Uh, just a confession for you guys. That's why I have a home alarm system, so it's all good. Um, and, but I think about her story, and I'm like, that's crazy that she went. Why would someone do that? Like, why would she give up all that she had, uh, a, a relationship, a promising career path, um, probably an easier life uh, materially or materialistic when we're speaking in that sense in America, why would she give all of that up to go somewhere? And what we would say is that's crazy and that doesn't make any sense. But when we read the words of Paul, I think we start to see that she had a different perspective on her life. And so Colossians chapter 3, if you want to read along with me, it goes like this. I'm going to read the whole passage, and then uh, we'll, we'll talk about it uh, and kind of break it down. In Colossians 3, it says this. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You will also appear with him in glory. And so this is Paul, who was probably the greatest Christian missionary of all time, a guy who persecuted the church, had what was called the Damascus Road experience where God just met him in a crazy way, and he went from persecuting Christians to being the greatest Christian missionary of all time. And he's writing to a group of people at the, uh, at the church of Colossae, and this is what he's saying to them. He's encouraging them, and he's spurring them on. The name of this series that we've kind of called as we've jumped back in to Colossians is rooted or established, that Paul is trying to get these people to understand that, hey, you need to be rooted and established in who Christ is. And if you see that in, verse, uh, in chapter 3 and verse 1, this is a big if. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, Christ is seated at the right hand of God. If then you have been raised with Christ. We talked about this last week. What did Jesus do? What did Christ do? Is that he came to this earth, fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life, was then crucified and killed, put upon a cross, buried in a tomb, and rose three days later, overcoming death in the grave. And that's what we celebrate is his resurrection. And what's awesome about that is there's a reason that he did it. It's because we were separated from God, God who is completely holy, completely just, completely perfect, and we have sin and mistakes and things that we mess up in our lives. And that separated us from God. So we needed a savior. We needed someone to bridge that gap and stand in 
for us. And that's what Christ came to do. And that if we accept Christ, if we have a relationship with him, if we call upon his name, that what happens is we actually share in what he did. That figuratively, we share in what Christ did. Now, we could never do what Christ did, but we share in that when we place our hope and our trust and make Jesus the Lord of our life. And so it says, if then you have been raised with Christ. And Paul isn't saying if, like, hey, uh, if, like, is this a question mark? Is this what? He's saying, no, you either have been or you haven't been. And so I want you to think about it this way. If over here is... Uh, I would identify myself as like, I don't, right here on this stage, in this spot, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not sure what that means. I don't know about that. I'm right here. And if this would be the middle, and you would say, I'm kind of in this area, I'm I'm unsure. I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus. I kind of want to seek him. Uh, I'm open to the idea of God, but I'm not nailed down, uh, and maybe I still have some questions that right here. And then there's this, this category right here where we would place someone who would say, I have a relationship with Jesus. I know that Jesus is the Lord of my life and my goal is in my life is to wake up and each day allow God to guide my life and I do have a relationship with him. And what Paul is saying is that you either are here because you've accepted what Christ has done for you and forgiveness of your sins that you could not do on your own or you, you can't be right here. You can't be right here. You're either here or you're way over there. You either have been raised with Christ or you have not been raised with Christ. There is no middle ground there. That the only way we can share in what Christ has done is by accepting him and making him the Lord of our life. And we talked about that some last week. And if you're here tonight and you would say, I, I would probably put myself right here, but you can't be here. If you want to say, I want to be right here, we would love to talk to you about that tonight. After the service, we're going to have people up here standing, and um, they'll pray with you, and they can talk to you about that, what that looks like. If you want to just process that some more, we'll have people right over here at First Steps after the service, and they would love nothing more than to show you what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. That's kind of the whole reason we do any of this right here. But you can't be in the middle. You either, do have, you either don't have a relationship with Jesus or you do. And Paul is saying that if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In verse 2, we start to see this perspective shift. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For Verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You know what that means, like that your life is hidden with Christ in God? It means that you're complete in Christ, that you don't have to walk around wondering and worrying that Christ has you hidden in who he is. He has you wrapped up and made complete in who he is. That it's done, it's finished. You can have peace and you can have security because of that. In verse four, it says this, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. That there is a future for us. That we share in what Christ did. We could never do it, but we share in what Christ did. That's what that means. And that's a pretty awesome hope and something to think about. But where I want to sit tonight is in verse 2. What does it say? The end of verse 3 too. It says, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Set your mind on things that are above. What does that mean? Set your mind on things that have an eternal value. 
set your mind on things that have eternal worth. That if you really want to break through the ruts in your life, you need to stop focusing on earthly things and start viewing things through a heavenly mindset. Knowing that because I've been raised with Christ, I'm going to spend an eternity in heaven and that the ultimate purpose of my life is that of the purpose of God. That's my purpose. And this should revolutionize the way we think, the way we act, the way we approach life. And I've had to sit here and think about this because this is kind of where I've been, is that what this should maybe make us do is take a step back and maybe we need to have a detox in our life. We need to take a step back and maybe have a detox in our life of some things that are just dragging us down and not allowing us to think about the things of God. So how do you need to know? I was thinking about this. I was in my garage pacing around, like riding stuff on a whiteboard. I'm like, what? how do we like know what to detox from? We need to detox from whatever it is that is most pressing that distracts us from God. So for me, a lot of times it's this guy right here. Okay, for me, I'm just telling you my vice, my struggle. I love social media. I love getting on it. I love checking it. Um, I, I enjoy it. But what I found is like I was getting in a rut and stuck in a cycle where I was engaging with it and it was impacting the way I'm relating with my family. It's impacting kind of my mood in a weird way. And I'm like, I need to take a time and I need to detox from that because everything that I take in is discipling me in some way. Everything that I take in is pushing me in some way. And I had to take a step back and be like, that's something that's preventing me from setting my mind on things that are of heavenly worth. So what is that for you? Maybe it's you need to detox from a group of friends. I'm not in the business or or the thought process of you should cut people off. Sometimes there's a season in life where you need to cut somebody off. Where you, your job is not to be the hope for them. Your job might be you're struggling so much, you need to separate yourself from that group of people because you are stuck in sin because of them. Maybe you need to detox from a relationship, a romantic relationship, and you need to say, hey, that's something that is dragging me down and pulling me down and not allowing me to focus on heavenly things. I'm not about giving up on people. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is the hope of the world for all people, and, and we should be taking that too somebody. But if you're in a season where you're struggling and you're stuck, it might be a time where you need to separate yourself in a loving manner, in a grace-filled manner, in a kind manner. But you need to remove yourself from some situations that are not going to bring God honor. Maybe you need to detox from what shows you're watching, from what music you're listening to or, or movies that you're consuming. I don't know what you need to detox from. All I know is that if as you're sitting there and you're like, ding, 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 this is the thing that prevents me from having a heavenly mindset, that's something maybe you need to detox from. And you know what this should do whenever we think this way? Is not only should it cause us to maybe remove some things from our life, but what it should also do is it should give us hope in the hard times. And aren't hard times weird? Like, have you ever been going through something and you're like, this really isn't that hard. This really isn't that big of a deal. I was kind of there, and and this passage, let me tell y'all, has really spoken to me throughout my life. Because when I was a sophomore in college, I was dating a girl who I thought I was going to marry. In my mind, I was going to marry this girl, and I thought that that was the season that I was in, and that was what was going to happen. And what happened was, she broke up with me, okay? And I'm an emotional person, 
Just so if you guys didn't know that, I'm an emotional person. It's okay to cry sometimes. Um, you ever listen to Usher after you broke up with somebody? It's a good time. Just throwing that out there. Moving Mountains is a good track. Uh, I really like that one. Um, not saying I did that, but I definitely did that in high school. I promise you that. Uh, but here's the deal. That time really, like now as I look back, that's silly. That wasn't hard. That wasn't a difficult time. And like obviously things worked out well for me. I have a wife and two, two kids that I love and, and it's great. But in that season, what had happened to me was I thought that I had this future with this person and I already was kind of self-conscious about who I was. And then when that relationship ended, I felt totally insecure with who I was and where I was at in life and confused. And I felt like a security blanket had been removed from me. And so I was in a time where I'm like, I'm struggling. Okay, I'm struggling mentally. And this verse, I had someone share this with me here at High Street, this passage. And as I began to meditate, and as I began to sit and think and stew with this passage, it began to kind of bring me out of this season. And it wasn't easy. It's not like every day and moment and hour was perfect, but it helped. And suddenly I thought of like, God, if you are the God who created the universe and you have a plan for my life, it's going to be okay. And I can still in this day when I'm hurting and in pain and jealous and wondering what's going on, I can set all of that aside and I can focus on heavenly things. That was a blessing to me in that season. And guess what? It's been a blessing to me in the struggles and the trials of my life since then. And I remember that because it was rooted in grain and taught to me. And I'm like, man, this is good. That when I focus on things that are of eternal worth, my life, the way I view my life, my perspective as it shifts, my life gets better. And my life has more worth and meaning. And my life is more beneficial to other people. Because the greatest hope you could give somebody is the hope of Jesus. And I was able to sit in that. So not only should this encourage us to detox, this is going to help you in the hard times. And you will have hard seasons. And sometimes you'll look back at your hard seasons and you're like, that wasn't that hard. And then you'll have, you don't know what's going to happen in your life. You're going to lose people. People get sick. People get hurt. There's hard times for groups of people. Sometimes communities go through hard things. What are you going to set your mind on? Maybe you're in a hard time right now in this very season of life. And you feel like, I don't know what to do. What if for the next week, for the next month, for the next year, you would wake up and consume God's word, or you would wake up and your first thought would be, not what do I have to accomplish today, what do I need to do today, but your first thought would be setting your mind on the things of God. The third thing this should do is it should change our outlook on what we are doing. You might be in a season right now, and I know I've talked to you or some of you, young, it's not like you graduate and you get the perfect job all the time. It's not like you have your first job and your second job is going to be the best job ever. There's no guarantee that you're going to love exactly what you're doing all the time. But what this should do is if you're approaching things with a heavenly mindset is every day, every moment is an opportunity. Everything that you do, the the routine and the monotony of life, yeah, I got to go get this done. When I'm going to vote today and I'm standing in line and I'm irritated because I'm there for 55 minutes, that I had opportunities to talk to people. That had I viewed that more appropriately, I could have had the opportunity to encourage somebody spiritually. That when I walk into work every single day, I have the opportunity to be a light of Christ and encourage someone and to share with somebody. It should change our mindset. 
Maybe you've not been happy with anything that you're doing in life. You don't like this school. You don't like this job. This group of friends was fun at first, and now they're not that fun. Maybe the problem isn't everything else, but the problem is your perspective on what's going on. I was talking to Jared about uh, my message this morning, and he was like, he, he gave me this line. He said, God may not change your circumstances, but he can change your perspective. God might not change your circumstances, but he can change your perspective. And that is something that is powerful in your life as you seek to set your mind on things of heaven. You set to th- set your mind on the things of God. And as we close, I, I want to tell uh, this story. I want to finish telling the story of Marjorie Browning. And as I sit here and I think about this passage, I want to tell you a little more about her life with the time that we have left because her life story to me embodies everything that we just talked about. It absolutely embodies everything that we just talked about. Marjorie Browning went as a single young lady to South America, to Brazil. She goes to Sao Paulo, which is a big city in Brazil. And she starts going through language school, which obviously it's hard to learn a language and to do those things. And she's here and she's, at, or she's in Brazil and she's going through language school and she's beginning to learn and she's uh, beginning to learn the language. And what happens is she hears about this location in the interior of Brazil. And to give you a little bit of perspective of how far away this is, uh, Gary and Lisa Wilson, who are our missions coordinator here at High Street, actually went to visit Marjorie at this location. That it's five plane rides away from Springfield, Missouri. It's a seven-hour bus ride to this location in the interior of Brazil. And then it's a 12-hour car ride where you have to deflate the tires in the truck that you're traveling in. You're traveling in the back of a pickup truck, and as you're going through sand in the interior of Brazil, you have to deflate the tires, drive a little bit, come back out with an air pump, and repump the tires to continue going on this 12-hour car ride. That's how deep into the jungle that she was going. And Marjorie Browning, as she was at this, uh, this school and learning this language, that she, she heard about Two Brothers Swamp, which was a place that was in the interior, like I just talked about. And what, what was going on is that they were looking for some people to go there, and no one would volunteer to go. Nobody would volunteer to go. And so Marjorie, I, this, this lady's tough. She volunteers. She's like, I'll go. And they say, no, it's too dangerous. You can't do that. She says, no, I'll go. Just send somebody. You know, I'll go, and then when it's time, you can send somebody, and they can come and get me. And Marjorie Browning, as a single woman, goes into the interior of Brazil in a place that they said it was too dangerous. It wasn't safe for her to travel to. It wasn't safe for her to go to. It wasn't safe for her to live there and be there. That she goes to this place, and she serves there. And we have a picture of Marjorie. I just want you to see her face, and I want you to just, this is Marjorie Browning. She spent 55 years in Brazil. Nobody else ever came to relieve her in the middle of Two Brothers Swamp. This American, Missouri-born woman, nobody ever came. She stayed. God had specifically pointed her to this place where she served 
year after year after year. And what's crazy about her story is that she, when she first went to Brazil, she was receiving $200 a month in support. And that when she, towards the end of her missionary work, she was only ever receiving $1,200 to $1,300 in support every single month. Add that up and, and multiply that times 12 and see how much money that is. Not that much money. And I watched a video of her and she said, I don't need, you know, I don't need a bunch of money. What I need is your prayers because God has the ability to work in things unlike the money. Like the money's fine, but like I need your prayers. I need you to partner with me in prayer. I need you to set your mind on heavenly things and engage in some spiritual warfare on your knees. That's what she asked for. And you're like, hey, Marjorie, you're in the middle of Brazil. You need help. You need support. She said, I need prayers because I believe in a God who is powerful, who can do all things and will give me exactly what I need at exactly the right time. Marjorie Browning, life was not perfect there. She got cancer in her mouth and she ended up having to have surgery and they removed part of her tongue. And she had to, for the rest of her life, puree her food in order to be able to eat. And they asked her, like, are you going to go back because of what your health condition is? She's like, I can puree food here the same as I could in the United States. And so for the rest of her life, she spent time pureeing her food. That To get water for her where she was, she would walk half a mile to get water, dip two buckets down, and then walk half a mile back. That she didn't just stay in Two Brothers Swamp, but she went all over the place in the interior of Brazil, oftentimes riding five hours to another location on the back of a horse because she never had a driver's license. There was no way she could travel by horseback in the interior. She, I mean, by car in the interior, so she had to go by horseback five hours and she did it and she'd come back and she'd travel around and she'd pour into kids and she'd pour into women and she'd watch churches start up and she'd see generations be changed because of what she was doing because she had a heavenly mindset because her 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 ability to break through ruts and focus on herself wasn't that she was going to just focus on herself but she had a calling from God she didn't ignore it and she went all in on it And this story has left me inspired and motivated. And Marjorie Browning, when she was 82 years old, she had a young boy in the village in the area that she was in break into her house. And she wouldn't press charges against this young man. He was troubled with drugs and all kinds of things. You know the stories. You know people in those same situations. And she wouldn't press charges on him against the advice of of the people there because she wanted to win his soul for the Lord. She wanted to share the gospel with him, to share a hope with him. And then one day, this young man broke into her house again and he took her life. She could have pressed charges on him, could have had him removed from the situation, but she didn't because she wanted to share the gospel with him. And this man broke into her house and he took her life. And as she was slain, this this young man gave a report to the police and the officials and said that as he took her life, that she was knelt down by her couch in prayer. What What a picture. I mean, sometimes we look at God and you're like, God, that's not the way that's supposed to end. 
She did everything the right way. She served everything the right way. She did what she was supposed to do. How is that fair that that happened to her? But I bet if you could ask Marjorie Browning today, she would say, my life was not wasted. And I've seen the pictures of the funeral and the hundreds of people who came out to mourn her and that the work that she has done is still going on in Two Brothers Stomp and in the interior of Brazil. It's still happening. Remember how much money I told you she made while she was there? $200 at the start, no more than $1,300. At the end of her life, she gave half a million dollars to future missionaries so that they could take survey trips to see where they felt like God was calling them to go. Half a million dollars. She saved half a million dollars to give back to the kingdom. And once she got rid of the money and she had the person who was managing it said, I don't want to hear about it anymore. Do what I told you to do with it, and that's it. So totally focused on a bigger purpose. And you might sit in here thinking today, like, how can I have that? How can I live my life like that? I don't think it comes all at once, but it starts with tomorrow. Tonight, before you go to bed thinking of things of heaven. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, thinking of things of heaven. When you're going through something hard, thinking of things of heaven and not of earth. When things are going well, thinking of things of heaven and not of earth. When I'm blessed financially, thinking of things of heaven and not of earth. When I have a new job opportunity, thinking of things of heaven and not of earth. Not putting hope in people, not putting hope in places, not putting hope in material things, but putting your hope in Jesus, putting your life in the hands of Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, if you're struggling right now, if you're going through a season of depression, a season of anxiety, a season where you don't know what's going to happen next, a season where you're overwhelmed, a season where things just do not make sense to you, that you need to start setting your mind on things of heaven. And I promise you that God is going to show up. It might not be in your timing, but he will. So what I would ask all of you to do today is just commit to setting your mind on the things of heaven. Let's pray. Mm-hmm.